salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I'm your host, The Commish. I'm going to give you a little scenario here to start this episode. The Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, that team that plays there, Crypto.com Arena, same team that has LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and a number of other guys, including Anthony Davis on their team. This is the same team that we've been talking about for ages now, feels like. Somehow or another, the Lakers always comes up in conversation these days, even when they're failing at their game. This team is currently in ninth place in the Western Conference, 23 games behind in first place, nine games behind in sixth place. Now, why am I talking about sixth place? Because that is the spot that they would want to be to avoid having to play into the playoffs. It's aggravating to have to hear week after week about how much the Lakers continue to fail. But we keep talking about it because I think there's a part, there's there's a number of us. I got to believe half the population of the United States still cannot accept the fact that the Los Angeles Lakers cannot find themselves in a position to perhaps be in the NBA Finals this season. And in spite of having such an all-star cast to give them the advantage, the truth of the matter is this, this team is too fragile. This team is too old. This team is not of a sound mixture. It's, It's something about it that's just fraudulent. It's tainted. It's just not good. It's not working. The blend is just not there. Everybody wants to blame this one and that one. Everyone's pointing the fingers at this and that. And I'm not going to sit here tonight and try to figure out who is culpable for this. The issue I have is simple. The issue that I have today involves the thought, the concept, that if you keep if you keep playing LeBron James, if you keep playing him, and if you keep playing these guys, that there stands a chance that they can avoid the play-in tournament. Right now, they're in ninth place. The Pelicans right now are in tenth place. So if this pans out for the remainder of the season, mind you, there's only about six weeks left of the regular season. We're looking at the Lakers playing against the Pelicans for a shot at the playoffs. That's given that they beat the Pelicans. Now, see, this is where the irony falls into play. Because now the Lakers have to win, and then they have to play the eighth, I believe the seventh and eighth seed, the winner of that seed, for a chance to advance as the eighth seed into the playoffs. Now, the argument I have here is this. It has less to do with seeding at this point. Because if you ask the commission, the season is over. O-V-A. Over. It's more so the fact that we're looking at LeBron and what he's done to this point. And how he is still fighting for the cause. He's still out there gritting and grinding. He's out there balling. He's playing 110% every game that he gets his hands on the ball to give his team a chance to win. Not that everybody else isn't. It's just the fact that this is where we are with LeBron. This man won't quit. 
in spite of the record, in spite of where they are, perhaps he still feels as though he has a fighting shot at making the playoffs. The question I have is, even if they do get past the playing tournament, why would you want to play the Suns? Even if you get past the playing tournament, why would you want to play the Warriors? Because chances are, it's going to be one of those two teams. And let's face it, the fact that you're going to be playing the Suns again with the team that they have right now, does anybody, listen to my voice, honestly believe that the Lakers have a fighting chance against the Phoenix Suns, as hot as they are, even without Chris Paul being there? The Suns is fully capable of going to the finals and perhaps even winning the finals this year. I haven't made my predictions of who's what. I haven't gotten that far. But what's really damaging here may be less of what this team does this season. Because we understand that LeBron James is playing for a bigger purpose. Perhaps it's a family thing. He wants to see his son play in the NBA. And perhaps he wants to play alongside his son, be it the LA Lakers. And everybody's talking about if it's worth having him be traded. Listen, first of all, there is no reason why the Lakers would even want to trade LeBron James. You trade LeBron James, you might as well just cancel every game after this particular season because the next season is going to look a lot worse without him being there. Anthony Davis, please. With all due respect to that brother, he is hurt. And he stays hurt. And that may not be his fault. That's just for the cards that he was dealt. That's the roll of the dice, is what I'm trying to say. But my argument this evening speaks more on the fact that LeBron James and his career in the NBA right now is taking on big, huge, gargantuan type of uh, stats and accolades and records. And this man right now is on pace to being the all-time scoring leader in the NBA. There is a different purpose here now. And maybe it's always been that way. Because no matter how many points he puts up, he's still going to be behind, still be behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So here I am, trying to make sense of why this man is still gutting it out for this team. And in the process, he is damaging the legacy, the career that he's had this far just in the NBA. If this is all about stats, and this is about having the top stats, and then being the top player in the world in assists, points, and what have you, how is that going to look when you've spent nearly 20 years trying to build up this, this career, this, this facade that you have of being one of the best players of all time. And we look back at the number of times you've been in the, the playoffs. You look at the number of times he's been in the finals. And you look at the number of times he's won championships. There's a reason why Michael Jordan quit at the time that he quit. Everybody's going to say it was a business move on Jerry Krause's part not to keep that team together, not to keep that team regulated going into the new millennium or the new decade. Maybe Krause saw a reason to just separate this team for his own personal matters, his, his own ego. But there's a reason why he decided to retire when he did. 
because we don't want to look at Michael Jordan as being an ailing athlete, an ailing basketball player that struggled the rest of his, his seasons, his years in basketball to try to maintain the image that we have today of Michael Jordan. If there's one thing we'll remember about Michael Jordan is this. His time with the Bulls, his time with Scottie Pippen, his time with Phil Jackson. They managed to have six championships under their belt. And he walked off into the sunset knowing that he accomplished that much. Because at that point in time, in that era, there weren't any basketball players able to just win maybe a few championships, more or less six. Every time he set foot on the court in the finals, he won. So this is where we are with Michael Jordan in comparison to LeBron James. Because Michael knew when to quit. He didn't have to feel the pressure of having to do more to try to compete with Bill Russell or to have to try to compete with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The truth of the matter is this. He has his six. Kareem has his six. So if you ask me, the top three players of all time, with all due respect to Bill Russell, would have to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, and now LeBron James. If LeBron was to stop maybe two or three seasons ago, if he was to stop after the 2020 season, I think we can honestly say that his legacy would probably be a little bit more polished than where we are right now with his legacy because he's doing so much to try to achieve so much. And it's making it's making what he's done to this point look a lot more tarnished because he's trying to achieve something that he can't. He's trying to fulfill something that he won't. He's trying to go out there and win as many championships as he can. There's only one problem. To be on a championship team takes time. He's been on four championship teams. Probably could have been on a number of other championships, but it wasn't their time. But the point I'm making is this. If LeBron had decided to just stay in Miami, who was to say if he wouldn't have six of his own? He didn't win championships until he got to Miami. But instead of just staying in Miami, he felt obligated to go back to Cleveland to win a championship for Cleveland. See, the thing about morals is this. When it comes down to athletics, business, and winning championships, you really have to make a tough decision. And sometimes the decision is so complicated that you're not going to be able to sit there and figure out if what I'm doing right now is for the better of my legacy or for the better of the teams that I'm trying to propel into a position to become contenders and winners. And the fact that we haven't won all those trips to the championship, all those trips to the finals, it doesn't make him look any better as if he was to go out there and win the scoring title. LeBron James will go into the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about that. The problem here is that we're not talking about the Hall of Fame. We're talking about the fact that LeBron James will not be the best player of all time. He will not be the second best player of all time. For some people, Kareem got that on lock. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his time in the 70s and the 80s 
was an unstoppable force of nature. You look at Michael Jordan, his era during the late 80s going to the 90s, it wasn't until his eighth season he started to see championships. He didn't have to jump from team to team to try to find a championship. He managed to do what he had to do with the guys that they put around him. And it wasn't until they saw Scottie Pippen come to that team that they really started to blend. They they started to gel. And, And before long, Phil Jackson had a system that worked with the triangle offense. And it was poetry in motion. You would have thought this was something that Phil Jackson had been doing for years, for ages. It just so happens he did it with the right team at the right time. Jordan was hungry, went out there and defeated the Lakers. Then he realized we can do this again, went out there and defeated the Trailblazers. Got so hungry again, went out there and did it with the Suns. And probably could have kept doing it for as long as he kept playing basketball. But therein lies my point. He controlled his own destiny. He knew what he can do to win those games. He knew he had the personnel. He knew he had the coach. He knew he had the control, the order of that locker room. People wanted to play with Michael Jordan just at a chance at a championship. We can't say the same thing about LeBron James. And I'm sorry if you're a LeBron James out, a LeBron James fan out there listening today. It's the point that LeBron had to go and jump from team to team to team to try to formulate his own team to win championships. Why not just stay in Cleveland? And even if Cleveland did you wrong, why not just stay in Miami and build your legacy? I wouldn't have seen the harm in that. The way Wade made made it uh, his own purpose to stay with that team at some point, before they released him, of course. But that was something that could have gone a lot longer if he just stayed in Miami and won a few more championships. And if you felt the need to go to Cleveland at that point after winning maybe three or four championships, that would have been on him. But the problem with LeBron is that he's too giving. He's too considerate. He had a purpose in life, and he wanted to fulfill that purpose, and he did. But in the meantime, in the process of doing so, he took too many lumps. In the process of winning the belt, you got knocked down several times. You've been to the finals 10 times, but you only came away with four rings. How does that really cement your legacy? If Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had gone to the finals 10 times, whether he did or not, if he had gone 10 times, but only came away with just four rings, would we even consider him one of the best of all time, even if he has a scoring title right now in tap? And many could argue the same thing about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan took it upon himself to retire at the peak of his career. But he had to prove to other people just how great of an athlete he was by coming back and winning three more rings. This is why we say that Michael Jordan's the best of all time, because he was in full control of his own destiny. He was in full control with the help of Phil Jackson, of course, with the help of Scottie Pippen, of course. He was able to manage one of the best teams of all time. Nobody can compare what he did 
the second time around to where we are now where we see players just just doing their best just to win a championship never mind three straight twice in his own era LeBron James will never be able to do that because LeBron really feels as though he's trying to save the day he wants to be the superhero for the NBA he wants to find himself on a team that needs all the help in the world and so he comes running to the aid of the Lakers, coming running to the aid of Jeannie Buss, Rob Kalinka, at the time Magic Johnson, and try to do something for that Laker team. The problem is this, he waited too late. Maybe if he just surpassed the Cleveland Cavaliers, maybe if he just stuck with the Heat and decided, you know what, they need me with the Lakers. Perhaps he'd have two rings but see, here lies the problem between the best and the greatest of all times and the goats. The goats go out there and they do their work no matter what's in front of them. They don't have a reason to jump ship. They stay the course and they win championships. LeBron James has to learn, which of course is probably too late now, but in retrospect, he would have to have learned that sometimes it's not about trying to win for everybody. Maybe it's just best to win for the team that you were set out to win with. And that be the Miami Heat. I can understand if he wants to go out on top. I can understand if he wants to spend a year playing with his son. I can understand if he wants to get the scoring title under his belt. But even with all the accolades, even with all the, um, with, 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 with all the accomplishments that he's made, this still won't make him a better player than Michael Jordan. Unfortunately, he ruined that the moment he decided to leave Miami. So says the commission. That team is in trouble. It's in turmoil. Talking about the LA Lakers. And no matter what LeBron James decides to do, there's not much that he can do to save that organization at this point. It's too little too late. He was fortunate enough to win it during a COVID-riddled season when they only had maybe several games to play to go into the playoffs. There were no play-in tournament at that point. And if there was, they had nothing to worry about because they were sitting pretty right there in the midst of everything in the playoffs. So be it. I want to wrap up this episode by talking about the Arizona Cardinals. I usually try to give everybody a little bit of the NBA, a little bit of the NFL now these days. Because I'm not spending as much time on the, on the mic as I normally do. But this has really become a very pressing, very interesting situation in Arizona. I was the one, the commission was the one to tell you guys, ladies and gentlemen, that in 2019, when they decided to draft Kyler Murray, it was the worst thing they could have done. I've said it to nauseam on this mic at Norsey. And I said this because I knew then that if you wanted to go after a franchise quarterback, that Kyler Murray may not have been that guy for you at that time. There had been no harm in just picking up Kyler Murray in the second round, perhaps, if he was still there. But considering the fact that this man had won the Heisman, obviously he was of high demand. Cliff Kingsbury, the coach now of the Arizona Cardinals, thought the world of Kyler Murray well before his college days. 
And even when he did go into college, he knew the moment he would be the coach, Kyler Murray was going to be his boy. Steve Kime, the, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, probably took into consideration the fact that Cliff Kingsbury would be the best fit for the Cardinals after allowing Steve Wilkes maybe six months with that team before they fired him. So they bring in this man with no experience whatsoever in the NFL. And they go in and they draft at the number one spot overall, Kyle Murray at 5'9 and 200-something pounds. Has a rifle of an arm. Has speed. Has power. Issue what we have about Kyle Murray is that he's in the NFC West. And while that may not necessarily be the biggest argument, it's definitely the boldest argument if you're trying to find a way to manage this player to play well on this particular team because they're in the NFC West. Arizona sitting amongst the Rams, the Seahawks, and the 49ers. Many people believe this is the best division in football today, and it could very well be. So why are we taking a chance on a Kyler Murray? Now, I'm talking about this in a way that I'm trying to express what I felt three years ago. I want to talk about where we are right now with the Cardinals. Because I'm trying to make the argument that what they're doing right now is backfiring right before their very eyes. Many believe on that org- in, within the organization, the Arizona organization, that Kyler Murray is not mentally fit to take on the grueling seasons and the wear and tear of playing with the Arizona Cardinals. That's tough. I don't know what more I can say about that. You are a football player. This is what's expected. They want to pay your top dollar when the time comes. But see, Kyler Murray probably wants his money now before everything else falls apart. Perhaps because Kyler Murray feels slight. Maybe Kyler Murray feels a bit betrayed by the organization. Steve Kime receives an extension with the Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury receives an extension with the Arizona Cardinals. Everybody's getting money. After three abysmal seasons, this season by far was their best season since Kyler Murray's worn that Cardinals helmet. This is their best season thus far. But there's still argument about how much money Kyler Murray should get now because he's still about two years removed from his rookie contract. But Kyler feels in his mind that for what I've done thus far, whether we do any better or not, I deserve more money. Well, would would you look at that? Kyler believes in his heart that he deserves more money because everybody else is getting more money, including the GM and the head coach. The problem I have with this is that Kyler Murray is still an immature player. He still has to understand the ruling parts. He has to understand the rigor that comes with playing in the NFC West. He has to understand that for what you've done in one season, doesn't automatically make you fit to earn that much money within a short span of three seasons. This will be his third season coming up. 
I don't understand why we're on this whole take that Colin Murray deserves more money now. What has he done? What has he done to really prove to anybody at this point that he needs an extension with the team past the two years that they have left on his contract? If you ask me, this is a recipe for disaster. This has become disastrous because we all know by now what you see with this Cardinals organization is all you're going to get. No matter how much they improve on defense and what they try to improve on offense, Kyler Murray is a marginal quarterback that will not be any better than what he is right now outside of what the team decides to do to improve themselves on offense and perhaps on defense but more so on offense because there's very little he can do outside of the offense. That offensive line might have been the best offensive line he's had to this point. Can we sit here and say that that line would get any better? Can we say that there'll be much of an improvement for Kyler Murray this upcoming season? I don't see it. Even with DeAndre Hopkins there, even with Rondell Moore there, even with James Conner there, Zach Ertz there. I I don't see much of an improvement with this guy. I want to be the one to root for Kyler in the back of my mind. In some ways, I want to see him succeed. But everybody's drinking the same Kool-Aid. They really do believe that Kyler Murray is a lot better than a lot of other quarterbacks out there. Are we really? Are we going that way now? Are we that serious to believe that Kyler Murray is a lot better than some of the other quarterbacks in the league? Really? wasn't too long ago that Cam Newton said that he was one of the better quarterbacks. Man, look where, look where he is right now. Mind you, he does have a Super Bowl under his belt and an MVP title. But I think it's just the fact that we can't sit here and digest the idea or the thought that Kyler Murray is one of those big-time, prime-time elite quarterbacks at this point. I need to see more. I need to see more of a maturation process coming from Kyler Murray to prove to me that he can handle himself under adversity, under pressure, and that he can go out there and win games and not just go into the playoffs and lose in the first round. You got to do more. You got to do more at home. They lost too many games at home with an opportunity to even win high in the seedings in the NFC before the playoffs started. They couldn't do They could have. But see, there lies the problem. Too much Kyler Murray. And too much Kyler Murray is not going to work in that system. I hate to say it, but it's true. Arizona Cardinals need to do a lot more than just re-signing and, and, and extending the contracts of your general manager and your head coach. Because right now, it's still not working. So says the commission. I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. It means that much to me. You have been listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am the commission. And these are just some of the most recent issues, topics that have come up this past week. There's others. <laughs> but I'm out of time. So that's one of those things that I'll have to talk about when the time comes. I'm due to talk a little bit more about basketball. I'm due to talk a little bit more about March Madness. Please give the commission time. I'll get on that soon enough. Combine is starting to wrap up. I know I got to talk about the recruits coming out. I've seen some big-time recruits coming out of college. 
looking great in the combine. The pro day is what you want to look at. But maybe I'll start talking about some of the guys that I've seen in the combine that could be an impact or make an impact on the teams to come. With that being said, again, I say thank you. You've been listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am the Commish. I'm going to end it by saying peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. And I'm out. Thank you.